we can't afford to employ you anymore, but we're going to spend like a week of your salary on cupcakes. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guy, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome back, folks, to this here Lions of Liberty podcast and this here episode, which is number 135. If you want to find out more about the things you're going to hear discussed in today's episode, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash 135. And before we get into the show, I need to briefly mention the wonderful deal our friends at Liberty Maniacs have put together for you guys. You can get 10% off your entire order of political and satirical gear, t-shirts, mugs, bumper stickers, anything over at libertymaniacs.com by using the discount code Lions of Liberty. And if you have just had it, had it, had it with health insurance like I have, well, guess what? You don't need it. You don't need it because of our friends at Health Excellence Select who have put together an exciting and legal alternative to Obamacare. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is one of two remaining candidates for Yakima City Council in Yakima, Washington, and he is running for this office while spreading the ideas of liberty. How wonderful. Gavin Keefe, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thanks, man. It's pretty cool to be on. Well, it's pretty cool to have you on, because uh, I don't know if you know this, but I kind of do this thing where I like to talk to other libertarians for a half hour or so and, and put it on the internet and see what happens. <laughs> nice. That's uh, I definitely listen to your show. It's pretty great. Awesome, man. Gavin, we'll talk about your campaign running for city council here in just a minute. But first, I want to find out just what makes Gavin Keefe tick. So why don't you tell us, how did you first become interested in the ideas of liberty? Man, you know, uh, I was a neoconservative Bush lover back in the day. Oh, yeah. I was very proud to vote for Bush, I'll tell you what. And then I met this guy named Brian McWilliams. I've heard that name before. Yeah, he's a tall, douchey guy. Pretty cool. He's always uh, yelling about things. I've noticed. Often yes. while sitting next to me in the Lion Studios, Brian, of course, is the co-host of the Rand Paul Lusses and Minuses podcast we do here at Lions of Liberty and also uh, you know, one of the founders of our website. Yeah, he. Uh, so he converted me back in, oh God, 2007 maybe. Once you get into Liberty, the years all blend together, man. God, I know. It's just been this fast blur of frustration and loss of hair. <laughs> you learned that one from Brian too, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I think it came with the Liberty card. We always have these these things where we have our friends. We have people we meet in social circles, and we get into these political conversations, and we hear them say something so dumb, like, you know, something about supporting Bush's war in Iraq, maybe, or something about supporting Obamacare, and we're like, ah, and we just want to change the way they think, but it's so hard to do on an individual basis. So do you remember at all, like, you know, anything about that conversation or or what it is about, you know, something Brian said or even just, like, maybe something you found later looking into Ron Paul and that kind of stuff? What was it that really turned that light bulb on for you and made you realize, oh, man, I'm just – I'm looking at things in entirely the wrong way? I think uh, immigration is the one that uh, is where he convinced me that maybe I should start questioning myself. So it just kind of slowly divulged from there. And then uh, I was helping him with uh, a Ron Paul fundraiser as a beer pong tournament. Oh, I helped run that. So we've met before. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah, I, I, we co-ran that, that beer pong fundraiser back in, like I think, 2007, 2008 for Ron Paul's campaign right here in L.A. So we, we've already shared drinks, Gavin. We just didn't even know it. That's fantastic. 
I was the guy with the guy who looked like he cut his own hair because I did, because <laughs> uh, I thought it was cool back then. <laughs> so looking back at pictures, that was pretty embarrassing. But that's pretty cool. We've met. We're two cool dudes. I'm sure we had a blast. For some reason, we don't recall. When you're talking liberty and tossing beers back for four or five hours, you know, things can get a little blurry sometimes. Yeah. But it's interesting you mentioned the immigration issue because that's actually one issue that Brian and I have had many disagreements on in the past. So I'm actually curious what the specific take was, what your stance was before, and what did he say that made you start thinking in another way that kind of led you down that path? God, it's hard to remember details. But, you know, I was obviously anti-immigration. I wanted to round up all the Mexicans and send them <laughs> back to Mexico. And then he just help realize that maybe that's not the way to do it. And there's actually a benefit to it. Well, that's good to know. Because <laughs> that shows you how broad the spectrum can be. Because when Brian and I have discussions about this issue, I, I kind of see him as the immigration fascist of the conversation. Not really. I don't think he's like that at all. But just within the libertarian context, I think he's a little bit more on that side. And my views have changed over the years, too. I mean, I, I don't. I think it's a gray issue, the immigration thing. Because, yeah, I want to let people travel in and out. And I want as many people here as possible. I think people should be able to come here freely. Uh, at the same time, it is complicated by things like the welfare state, the fact that you know, even in a, in a free society, people would, you know, form communities, form city-states or what have you based on their private property, and those property would have borders, and they could keep certain people out of those borders if they saw certain people as a danger. So, you know, theoretically, we can imagine a world where there's a role for governments, you know, to regulate immigration in some way, but um, obviously in our current context, it's, a, it's kind of a, a, a tricky situation. You know, in, in my view, I think that anybody who wants to come here and be a, a working member of our society is more than welcome to come here, no matter your status, no matter where you're from, just as long as you're a working part. Don't come here expecting handouts. Uh, in Yakima here, we have a 45% Latino rate. Many of them are illegals. I, I talk to everybody. I mean, these they're the, the backbone of our society, and yet we treat them like they're second-class citizens just because – they weren't able to get in. Our immigration policies, I think we allow 0.03%, not even 1% of people into this country a year that apply for citizenship. Wow, is it that restrictive? I never knew it was even, I mean, I never really looked at the numbers and thought of it in that way. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean we sit there and we hear all the time about how there's just uh, floods and we're losing everything, but it's, it's garbage, just like pretty much every, every talking point from either party. So, so let's go a little more. Obviously, I mean, I, I don't know if Brian himself fully brought you into the ideas of liberty. He obviously piqued your, your initial interest. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you got into this Ron Paul character since you were so inspired us to come out and drink beer with us to, to raise money for him. So what was it about Ron Paul? That, how did he kind of further bring you down that path and really open your eyes and get you thinking about these ideas in a, in a deeper way? Well, I think with Ron Paul, what he did with a lot of people is maybe he didn't switch their minds right there on stage. But what he did is he instilled all these questions in you that you've never asked before because we were, we're not taught to ask questions. We're just taught to listen and then choose option A or option B. And Ron Paul is the one uh, who I think inspired a lot of those questions. I didn't officially become a libertarian where I made that stance. You know, I considered myself a, a liberty-minded Republican for a long time. Uh, until about two years ago, but without Brian introducing me to Ron Paul, uh, I wouldn't be doing any of this. So I owe uh, I owe a lot of this to him. That's weird. 
That is weird. <laughs> so I, after all this time thinking that Brian's crazy tactics don't work, I, I actually have to admit, yeah, they at least worked on one human being. Yeah, at least on one. And maybe, I don't know what that says about me, but I don't think it's a compliment, maybe. <laughs> it may or may not be. That that remains to be seen. So, but yep, yeah, you know, there's a lot of libertarians out there that call themselves libertarian. Sometimes I don't even use that term. I just like to kind of look at things in a, in a rational way. And when you do so, you're going to lead yourselves to the ideas of liberty. But, you know, so many libertarians, obviously most people that call themselves libertarians, or at least a large percentage of them, aren't actively involved with the libertarian party, with the big L. So what made you take that step? Why did you sort of say, all right, I'm not, a, I'm not even a libertarian Republican or any of this crap anymore. I'm going to actually go ahead and get active, as you are, um, with the libertarian party. What made you make that leap? Uh, there's a, you know, a couple of reasons. One, I got sick and tired of waiting for somebody else to do it. You know, I mean, I sit there and I bitched and I bitched and I bitched, but I never did anything. I was like, what the hell am I doing? If I want to change, then I have to make the change for myself. And another huge reason is our leaders in the LPWA are insanely inspiring. And if it wasn't for their pushes, you know, encouraging me that I can do this and I can win, then I wouldn't be doing it for them either. But it's just it's about wanting to make that actual change instead of just complaining about it on Facebook. Is that pretty much what inspired you to, to go ahead and run for city council? I know you're not running as a libertarian per se because it's not a, a party affiliated election, but obviously you're running promoting the ideas of liberty and that, that's the stuff you're talking about in your campaign. So is that basically what inspired you? you? You were just bitching and you wanted to actually get up and make a difference even on the local level? Well, it started. I uh, became uh, the Region 6 director for the Libertarian Party of Washington, which is all of central Washington. So that, that was my first deep dive into it. And then it wasn't enough. And I, I craved more and to do more and to change the world more. And so this is, you know, the next step in furthering liberty in central Washington. So why don't we talk about that a little bit? How, as a city council member, presuming you are elected, hopefully you are, you've made it this far, probably a lot further than I than, than imagine a lot of people thought you might make a lot of your detractors. I'm sure you have detractors. Um, why don't we just talk about, stop there for a second, just talk about the political process, because you just actually got through the primary. So why don't you tell us how that primary worked and um, you know what the status is now, who your opponent is, and just sort of break down the race for us. All right. Well, Yakima is a 90% Republican town. It, it bleeds red. Well, it would bleed red regardless, I guess. <laughs> so I had two opponents, both Republicans, Maureen Atkinson, the incumbent of nine years, and Adam Yost, who is a uh, Republican Liberty Caucus member. So we were actually pretty similar. And God, it, it's exhausting. If you're not fully into the idea of winning an election, just don't do it. But we had the primary August 4th. I came in second with 27% of the vote. And uh, we're just moving forward to the general now. Obviously, a lot of people might say libertarian running for office, but that's never going to work. Nobody believes in this <laughs> stuff anyway. But uh, obviously, you to even get 27% of the vote and to move forward in the primary, what, what is basically the secret to your success? Why do you think you were able to, to achieve that level of a vote and move on? Whereas, like I said, I'm sure many people told you you had no chance. You know, it's, it's funny because where the success comes from is going door to door. There's no doubt about that. that that's, to me, is the most crucial thing you can do. But when I go to door and I hear all the time, 
Gavin, I really like everything you have to say. I just don't know about your libertarian ideas. <laughs> everything I say is a libertarian idea. Nobody has a clue of what the libertarian party is. I, it, I mean, it's crazy. And uh, so the more I talk to people and the, the more I explain to them what we actually are opposed to what they think we are, they become a lot more accepting to the idea, obviously, because any critical thinker would. But door-to-door is an absolute necessity if you actually want to win. Um, getting a good campaign manager is, you know, hands down. There's so much stress. Like, you, when you're running, you never have a moment to yourself. You never have a moment to think. You're just scrambled and doing everything. You're getting five hours of sleep a night if you were a full 40-hour job. My campaign manager, David Trainer, he is freaking phenomenal. One thing I wish I would have done from the get was start my campaign before pretty much everybody else does. If you're you're filing at what was it like May 13th, that usually the deadline that second Friday in May, already have everything in order before that. You need the head start because you said there's like oh well I have four months before the primary I can easily get by it's it comes by immediately so. Yeah, it's impossible to be too prepared, I imagine, to run a political campaign, especially when, let's be honest, when you're promoting the ideas of liberty and this sort of way of thinking, it's an uphill battle because you're you're trying to not just win an office by telling people what they want to hear. You're trying to do it, but you're trying to do it while you're actually trying to change the way they see things and change the way they view the world. It's kind of a, a double challenge you got going on there. Mm-hmm. You know, and the key to that, I think, is you have to word everything perfectly. You can't come out and say, I want to end the war on drugs and just have crack dealers just hanging out and selling crack to people because nobody would ever vote for you. You know, like if you're absolutely blunt about all your beliefs, you're never going to get elected that way. But if you say something instead of I want to end the war on drugs, that I believe everybody should live their life the best way they see fit as long as they don't harm anybody else. You know, who will disagree with that idea? So uh, a lot of a lot of this, when when you're spreading this, these new radical ideas, as everyone likes to say, that, you know, this is the basis of a free society. And, you know, we're closer to the founding fathers than our current government is. So if you think they're radicals and they're crazy, you don't agree with them, then, you know, no one's going to say that or believe that. You mentioned, you know, when you're talking to people, you got people nodding, agreeing with you the whole way. They like things you're saying. They like Gavin Keith. They're like, this guy's cool. And then they're like, oh, yeah, except uh, this libertarian thing's weird. So uh, I don't know. That part's giving me trouble. And yet the, you know, the whole time you've just been telling him things and, and it's all within your libertarian framework. So obviously there's misconceptions out there. It's, it's almost like people are they're hearing what you say, but then they envision this other sort of straw man sort of vision of what they already believe libertarians are. So what are some of the the biggest i guess misconceptions you hear out there about what people think libertarianism is or or what you know libertarians are i was talking with one lady and she confused us with the people who were protesting the uh the shell oil rig in seattle um she thought that we were the progressive liberals and that made me laugh pretty hard (laughs) um and then I get a lot – I mean, we're kind of guilty of it, but I get a lot of crazy conspiracy theory guy. you know. So I've kind of been making a joke out of it, and I've been playing off the whole tinfoil hat thing. That's been uh, – I don't know if it 
works or not, but I have a kick doing it. Do you actually wear a tinfoil hat around town, knocking door to door? <laughs> we haven't gone that far yet? No, but I make a joke about it. You know, like if, if my hair's a little messed up, I'll say something about it. Or I went and I spoke at an RLC meeting and I was like, you guys have your bug out bags, but you have our tinfoil hats. So, um, but basically everybody thinks we're crazy. <laughs> Even though everybody's idea of what we are is completely different from one person to another. Uh, one of my favorite moments, uh, this is kind of a positive opposed to more of people think we're crazy. But um, me and Dave, we were knocking on doors and we came across this house on the registered voter list. And the car had just was covered in Obama stickers, pro Obamacare, you know, just Hillary, just everything. And we're like, should we skip it? And David's like, no. You're like, this one's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And so we knock on the door and uh, they uh, said that I made more sense than any other candidate running for city council. So that was pretty cool. Do you have any insight into like anything you specifically said or believe that, that made more sense or maybe just the only guy that actually showed up at their doorstep and had a real conversation with them? Oh, no. They voted for me before I showed up to their door. Oh, they had already turned in their ballot ahead of time. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that must have been a total shock to you. It, it blew me away. I uh, totally did not uh, expect that outcome, but uh, that was pretty cool. I got to be honest, I don't really know anything about what the Yakima or any any city of the council really does. So what can you affect, Gavin Key, if, if our dreams come true and you are indeed elected to Yakima City Council in Washington? What sort of, obviously you can't like end the war on drugs in Yakima necessarily, but what sort of <laughs> small-scale things can you at least do? What kind of little tweaks, I guess, can you make to actually influence policies in your local area? There's Yakima is kind of crazy on how involved they are in our lives. So Yakima legalized cannabis, or it kind of legalized it anyways, with 502. Yakima put a ban on cannabis sales in Yakima. So they're legislating their morality. Obviously got to end that. I mean, not to mention that the next city over, it's just a town of businesses. And they have so much tax revenue from cannabis that they don't even know what to do with it. It's insanely stupid that we're not selling it. We have a ban on, on certain types of dogs saying we're not responsible enough to have dog A or dog B, uh, but then we're allowed German shepherds. You know, I mean, there shouldn't be any regulations uh, on the animals we want. We have a 57% graduation rate from high school. 57%. Wow. I didn't know that number could actually get that low. We have uh, restrictions and uh, permits required for yard sales in our city. We're only allowed to have two yard sales a year, and we have to buy permits for each one when we do it in our driveway. Wow. Howie, I'm just curious. Do you know how much a yard sale permit costs? Thirty-five dollars. Because I mean, that's like how much you might clear in a yard sale. I mean, like. <laughs> oh man. I, I mean, it's just a perfect example of how our government acts like the mafia. You know, if you don't give Guido his 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 cut, then he's going to come break your legs with a $250 fine. Uh, we have permits for lemonade stands. We have uh, a city council who's trying to push this 
insanely expensive plaza project through and take away all of our downtown parking. They originally said that they wanted to put the vote to the city. And then they did a little study survey and found out it was overwhelmingly no. So they had a backroom meeting, which is illegal, decided that they'll vote on it for themselves. And here we are getting ready to put in a $16 million project that the city does not want. Uh, we have stupid uh, regulations on our businesses here. And that's resulted into a mass exodus into Union Gap where the cannabis stores are. Almost all of our businesses, if they just don't shut down because 90% of our businesses fail in the first year. So if they don't fail in the first year, they end up going to Union Gap because they can afford to make a living there, where in Yakima they can't. You can go a whole block in downtown Yakima and not see a single business in business. Uh, a whole whole blocks can be empty, empty storefronts. And the other blocks, every other store is an empty storefront. While we have a 23% poverty rate in Yakima, which is more than double our state average, 40% of our kids in Yakima live in poverty. And all this is happening because there are no jobs in Yakima whatsoever because our, our city wants to conform businesses to what they want. And if you don't play ball with them and if you aren't what they want you to be as a business, then you're not welcome. Uh, there's a restaurant in downtown Yakima that's been there for over 30 years. They put a folk life poster in their door and was hit with a violation after violation for, for promoting an event in Yakima because it violated their code regulations or their sign regulations. He had too many signs in his door. Too many signs. <laughs> that's too many signs. I can't believe someone took the time to craft that regulation. Oh, yeah, totally. There's a... Uh... I mean, there's a, a bar that was open. They spoke against the city council in a city council meeting. Within a week, they were shut down. We have a, another furniture store in Yakima that spoke out against the city council at a city council meeting. And within a week, they were hit with so many violations, just, you know, the stupid uh, sign violations. I mean, so many that they had to force to shut down, and now they're suing the city. Our city has been battling the ACLU, and this is actually why the election's happening, is because the city was suppressing Latino votes. 45% of our city's Latino, and they were suppressing these votes. And so the ACLU came in, and I'm usually not a fan of top-to-bottom government. How are they suppressing the votes? Um, the way our districts were set up was that no matter what, they were a severe minority, even though uh, 45% of the city is Latino. So you think they were just sort of hiding votes or, or not counting them? or? Well, it's, it's, it's more like they, uh, they made sure that they would never have the majority of the vote you know, with the way the city was set up. Through gerrymandering or that kind of thing? Yeah, in a hundred years, we've, we've never had one elected Latino city councilman. With nearly half the population. Yeah. But even if 10% was Latino, that would seem like, a, a, you know, an odd thing that you, you wouldn't have won this whole time. Totally. So I'm usually not a fan of top to bottom government, but a federal judge ruled, you know, came in and gave the city of Yakima and the ACLU um, 
the chance to drop new districts and then the judge would, you know, choose which whichever one he thinks is most fair. And so what the city did was said, beep you. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Well, too late now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just gave them the, the same map that we previously had. So they didn't try to do anything. The ACLU came in, put in seven new districts. They won. The city's been battling that. And right now our bill is going to be about $4 million of taxpayer dollars to suppress many of the votes that the taxes come from. It's that classic thing where, you know, the city employees do something wrong, it's found out about, and then um, the taxpayers have to foot the bill for you know, writing that wrong. Mm-hmm. Totally. Hell, there's actually just a big article uh, in the Yakima Herald last week that the city spent $757 on cupcakes for a going away party. Wow. Well, who was going away? Maybe it was uh, justified? <laughs> uh, one, of the empl- one of the employees was being forced out of her job, so they threw this big $800 cupcake party. We can't afford to employ you anymore, but we're going to spend like a week of your salary on cupcakes. <laughs> I'm sure that person would rather just be employed for another week, you know. Uh, how many families do you think you could feed off $800? And we're spending it on damn cupcakes. So, I mean, not to go socialist there, but if you're going to waste $800 on food. Oh, waste your own money on food is the thing. You know, that that's just this whole problem. Once, once you have officials in there playing with not just other people's money, because, I mean, I can envision forms of government where other people give their money to a government and they're not upset by it. But um, it's certainly far from, from the version of government we, we typically see nowadays. But, I mean, the real problem is that the money is taken by force. It's confiscated. And when you have money that's taken by force, whether it's a government taking it or whether it's the actual mafia taking it, nothing good can really be done with that money because it's tainted. It's uh, it's blood money, essentially. Well, I mean, not only that, but you have, you know, the, these group of officials that, with, with city credit cards that are used on ta- used from taxpayers' money. And it's not real money to them because it's not theirs. So that they're taking they're they're taking money out of our pockets by force to not care how it's spent, and that's just it's just so frustrating. Listen, listening to these people talk about how none of this is a big deal and and trying to shove everything under the rug. Someone sent me a, a two month um, list of all the city luncheons that uh, they went on hundred dollars here hundred dollars there with the with the city manager taking uh, the city councilman out to lunch every day every day a 75 to 125 dollar bill my, my favorite part of this though was i was going down and then i noticed an 11 dollar lunch bill and I, I put my finger across to see who it was the hispanic affairs director 11 dollar subway <laughs> <laughs> They're they're spending a hundred dollars on each other for lunch, and then the Hispanic director comes, and it was eleven dollar lunch at Subway, and they're saying that they are fair to the Latino community. And he's and he's got to eat Subway. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was just, it cracked me up. Well, Gavin, before we let you go, I want to give you uh, the, the final pitch, one last pitch. If anybody in Yakima County is out here listening to this, or anybody across the damn country, because I'm pretty sure you'll accept donations from anyone. So why don't you give your final pitch about why Gavin Keefe's run for Yakima City Council is important and why other libertarians should support you. 
Well, if we want to see the change that we are always preaching about, we have to get involved. I, mean, I, I see it so often up here. I see it everywhere. Where libertarians, they love to get on the digital podium and just preach and preach and preach, but with no follow through. If, if we don't get involved on any level, whether it's supporting a candidate like myself or any of the other 23 candidates we're running up here in Washington this year, we just need to get involved. And if we want to see this peaceful revolution before we get so bad, if we want to actually change the world, it starts on the local level. We can't expect to come in and, and, and win Congress and win any seats at a federal level if we don't have experience on a small level. So while this might seem small and not effective to anybody that lives outside of Yakima, it starts, it starts here. It starts with, with our local people winning winnable races. And man, and I, I can't do it without, without support. Whether it's volunteers here in Yakima or it's other people's donations, I literally can't win without your help. And think about the greater picture here. I mean, this kind of comes full circle to how we started this interview, talking about how you came into the ideas of liberty, right? You were just at a pool party or something and met my my big, bald friend, Brian, and got into mm-hmm. some random conversation, not even necessarily going into it with politics on the mind. It's probably just something that came up, you know, in the midst of things. And that has led you, this one person, to embark on this path where now you are in a position to become a city council member up in Yakima. And now imagine, you know, just meeting a guy at a pool party Party changed the life of one person, changed his view. Now, that one person could potentially get up there in, in a seat of power, a seat of political influence in, a, in what many people will say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a local level. I mean, it is a local level, but, you know, that local level, think about how local the pool party was that you, that you guys were at. You know, this, you, that level, you're kind of taking it to another level, and you can make, you know, a thousand more Gavin Keats with, with that kind of pulpit, and this is kind of how the ideas of liberty spread. So I'm certainly glad you're doing what you're doing. I'm glad you ran into Brian McWilliams at that pool party. I'm glad that, uh, we apparently play beer pong together for the cause of liberty, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gavin, keep up the good work. Before I let you go, why don't you just run through um, all the ways people can find you, your website, social media, all that jazz. Uh, you can find me on the Facebook at Gavin Keefe for Yakima City Council. You can find me on the website, Keefe, K-E-E-F-E, the number four, liberty.com. Some cool stuff on there. Or you can email me. Gav, G-A-V, at keyforliberty.com. Yeah, and you donate, you volunteer in any of those avenues. Gavin Keefe, everybody. Guy you need to look into, a guy you need to think about supporting, whether you're in Yakima or whether you're in the middle of Idaho, I don't care, because we need to be out there supporting fellow libertarians and people that have the right ideas all over the place, because that's how we're going to change the world at the local level, one mind at a time. Gavin, keep up the great work, and uh, you know we'll have you back uh, again sometime soon. Uh, I know you're eager to, to get and uh, you know, have an adult beverage with us on our Libertarians Living Rooms Drinking Liquor sometime. It's the last thing I think about going to bed. It's the first thing I think about waking up. <laughs> well, maybe once you get elected and, and have a little uh, little more time. Uh, no, that's just kidding. You won't have any time in your hands then. We'll just have to do it from the office chair. That's a good idea, actually. Our first elected official on Libertarians and Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. I'm, I'm going to toss that around in the old noggin for a bit. Keep up the great work. I'm so happy that you ran into Brian McWilliams seven or eight years ago and have uh, brought yourself down this path. And I'm confident that you doing this is going to you know, open up the eyes of many other people, as it seems that it already has, at least that with that one Hillary Obama person that, that went out and <laughs> voted for you already. So congratulations, Gavin, on your success so far and keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. 
All right. What an enjoyable interview with my friend who I've apparently shared some beverages with many, many years ago, Gavin Keith. I've got my own thoughts, of course, as I always do. But first, got to remind you guys, if you would like Gavin, enjoy t- having political conversations, whether it's knocking door to door, running for political office, or just hanging out at a party. A great way to start those conversations is by wearing your political views quite literally, on your sleeve. And you can do just that with the help of our friend Dan McCall and his awesome website, LibertyManiacs.com. It's your one-stop shop for political and satirical gear. You can wear all sorts of T-shirts and get all these great conversations going and convert some fellow Liberty lovers yourself. Head on over to LibertyManiacs.com and get a 10% discount on your entire order by using the discount code LIONSOFLIBERTY. And if there's one thing more important than t-shirts, and believe me, there aren't many things, it's your health. Now, a lot of times things happen to us that are just out of our control. We get sick, we get hurt. Well, yeah, that's why they put Obamacare in place, right? Well, guess what? I got rid of my insurance because Obamacare made it too expensive for me. It was a raw deal. And I started seeking an alternative. That's when I discovered the concept of health sharing, where people, without the government forcing them to, voluntarily contribute to the healthcare costs of their fellow men. And our friends at Health Excellence Select have set up a package that combines health sharing with all sorts of amazing discounts, 24-7 Skype access to doctors, all sorts of assistance in dealing with your day-to-day healthcare needs. You can learn more by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. And boy, it was fun talking to Gavin, catching up. I know he is a good friend of our contributor, Brian McWilliams, and uh, apparently a guy I have uh, participated in a beer pong fundraiser with back in the day. That's right. Back in 2007, or maybe it was 2008, myself and fellow Lion of Liberty, Brian McWilliams, decided we wanted to raise some money for Ron Paul's campaign, and we did it in the only way we could think of, which was to uh, obviously have a beer pong fundraiser. And we did that at, at our local pub, Brennan's here in Marina del Rey, California. Highly recommend checking the place out. And we raised, uh, I don't remember what we raised, but we did raise money. And it did go to Ron Paul's campaign. And that's what matters. And we had fun. And we had you know, a lot of good Liberty conversations. Now, you know, look, like I said, the details might be a little blurry. It was some time ago. But it's cool to find out, as you guys heard on the air, that I've already met my guest and didn't even know it and probably shared some drinks with him. But that's the cool thing about Liberty. It's a way to meet people. You never know the kind of people you're going to meet purely through your ideas. I've met so many people, so many amazing people, solely due to my advocacy of Liberty. And that's how we expand Liberty, too. By making friends, essentially. By expanding your network. Because when you expand your network, when you have a set of people that start to listen to you, even if it's just at a pool party, or if you're walking around in your neighborhood knocking door-to-door because you're running for city council. Whenever you can get the ear of somebody, and they're really listening, you got to seize that opportunity, carpe that damn DM, folks, and spread these ideas, because guess what? We're not going to achieve a more free society by keeping our ideas to ourselves. It's not going to happen. I didn't have any pulpit. I have no position of status in my community, or let alone in the world, in the media. So I created it. Me and several like-minded college friends said, enough is enough. We need our own outlet. We created LionsofLiberty.com. We're not special. There's nothing magical about us. We're not, you know, geniuses. Well, I don't know. Maybe some of us are. 
But the point is, anybody can do this. Anybody can set up a platform for discussing their ideas, for promoting their ideas. And if there's any section of the population we need doing this more than any other, it's the liberty folks. And look, I probably spend more time criticizing libertarians than I do the mainstream folks on the show over at our website. We need to do that stuff. We need to sort out our ideas. But the fact is, I'll take a conversation with a libertarian I disagree with over anybody just that's still stuck in this left-right paradigm any day of the week. We need to change the conversation, and the way we do that is by changing the dialogue, by creating these outlets, by taking the voice away from the corporatist media, by becoming the media ourselves. Have I gone on a tangent here? It seems that I have. That's what happens here in The Last Roar. I'm going to brand this thing if it's the last thing I do. I've been doing it for a few episodes now. Maybe you can even tweet out. Oh my god, what a great last roar I heard from Mark Claire last week. Ah, you don't need to do that. But you can share the show. If you like what we're doing here at Lions of Liberty, share the show with your friends on your family. Share it on your Facebook. Tweet that thing out. If you want to help our show, there are many ways you can do so. You can start by heading over to iTunes and subscribing if you don't already. You can leave us a rating. And a review. These are ways we can help get the show in front of other people. You can, of course, interact with us on our social media, facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. You can find us on Twitter at Lions of Liberty. If you want to interact more with myself, with my fellow Lions of Liberty, you can do so if you're on Facebook. I'd like to invite you over to the Lions of Liberty Forum. Just type that in your little search bar. We're also linked to it, of course, in the show notes for the show, lionsofliberty.com slash 135. But come on over and have conversations with us. Challenge us. You hear something in this last roar? That's right. If you hear something in this little rant here that you don't like, tell me. Come on over. I'm not that scary. We want to create this conversation in so many ways, whether it's social media, whether it's through email. I've gotten some great emails from listeners. You can, of course, hit me up anytime. Mark, M-A-R-C at lionsofliberty.com. We've got to keep this conversation going, guys. If it's the last thing we do, we got to keep these ideas out there. we got to keep pushing the envelope. we got to keep making the mainstream conversation change and then have this internal conversation as well and try to refine the ideas of liberty and just what they are. Because how are we supposed to promote our ideas if we haven't even settled on just what those ideas are? So I'm committed. I can't go on a rant like that and, and, and just quit. So if I'm in, I hope you guys are with me. I'm going to keep doing this thing. Every single Monday and Thursday, you will find a new episode published at lionsofliberty.com. You can, of course, hear us on the weekends at libertytalk.fm, 6 p.m. Eastern every Saturday and Sunday and throughout the week on the Liberty Radio Network at lrn.fm. Until next time, folks, live along and live free.